plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are locked on Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And it is a victory Sunday with the Green Bay Packers winning their fourth consecutive game, 30-27 to over the Chicago Bears. And my Packer Report colleague, Keith Rodink, will be joining me shortly to break down the game. But before we get going, I'd like to remind you to check out the Locked On Podcast Network, which includes Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy, and Locked On Bears for more from tonight's game. And please go over to PackerReport.com. I've got four stories, four or five videos from the NFL, breaking out everything you need to know about Sunday's game, including Jordy Nelson's big catch and Ty Montgomery's huge game. And we'll talk about both of those things in a minute when Keith joins me. Montgomery, 16 carries, 162 yards, leading the Packers to a 226-yard rushing day. They averaged 9.8 yards per carry. Scored three touchdowns. And for the first time since 2003, the Packers had two runs of 40-plus yards as Kristen Michael added a 42-yard touchdown. And what a game. The, that Michael touched him, put him up 27-10, to 10, and you think the game is over. Then in a span of 16 minutes, the Bears scored 17 consecutive points to get within 27-27. The big play, Micah Hyde's third down pass breakup. Actually, going back before that, First and goal from the three, Julius Peppers forces holding. So that moves with the Bears back. They get to a nine-yard gain, so it's second down from the four. Kenshaw Bryce stops Jordan Howard for a gain of one, so that's up third and goal at the three. And Micah Hyde picks up a pass in the corner of the end zone to save the day. The Bears kick a field goal to tie it. And then the Packers go right on down the field and score the winning points with the big play, a third and 11. Mike McCarthy decides to keep the offense on the field rather than just basically running the ball and going for overtime. Aaron Rodgers takes advantage of a somewhat busted coverage. Nelson gets behind cornerback Craven LeBlanc. A gain of 60 yards, the longest pass play of the game, or excuse me, the longest pass play of the season for both the team and for Nelson. Mason Crosby comes in and kicks the winning field goal. And just like that, the Packers, four in a row, they're eight and six. And with Detroit losing to the Giants, the Green Bay Packers are back from the dead and control their own destiny in the NFC North. And with that, we'll bring in my Packer Report colleague, Keith Rordink. All right, as usual, we're joined by my Packer Report colleague, Keith Rordink. Keith, I picked the Bears to win. How about you? I do not, Bill. I picked the Packers to beat Seattle last week, and I picked them to beat Chicago this week. I don't know what's going on with you. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, it was funny. We were just talking a minute ago. I picked the Bears, and I almost got it right. But by, I thought the Bears would be able to run the ball, and I didn't think the Packers could run the ball. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, I, this is this is the the best running. I mean, I, I'm I'm a believer in Ty Montgomery at running back, and I I think I was last week. But but I'm I'm officially in in awe just at his his vision and his 
second highest single game rushing total since Sam Congato. Well, that's a good stat. Very good. Um, it was. Well, I got. Well, I got lots of time Montgomery numbers here, but it was the uh, second most ever by a Packers running back against the Bears. Behind only Amon Green. Wow. I mean, better than Jim Taylor. Better than. I mean, Eddie Lacy ran for 150 against them. That that was the the previous. I mean, that was the previous number two. So Amon Green for like around, like 179 against them in 2003. But better than Jim Taylor. Better than Paul Horning. Unbelievable. And, and 10, 10.1 yard average. And as you point out, though, on, on PackerReport.com, 162 yards after contact. And I mean, it was it was ridiculous. The way he hit the hole, the patience, and, and that was one thing that I know you and I talked about that we started seeing weeks ago was his patience in picking the hole. But now, and, and he had a little bit of that power, but now we're really seeing the full-time Montgomery package with the patience and the power and the vision and the cutback and the body lean and his legs are always moving. I mean, this guy—he's tough to break down, to bring down. He's tough to—he's tough to slow down when he's coming through the hole. I mean, I—I I think they found a, a legit running back. I had him for um, breaking ten tackles. Ten. That's uh. I, I'm sure it's more than James Starks had all year combined. Not not the not the not the pick on James Starks, but I I don't think I'm not sure. You know, I keep track, I've kept track of stuff for years. I have to go try to find my old notebooks. I don't think Lacey ever broke ten in a game. Either the Bears are the worst tackling team ever, or he was just a machine. And I think it was uh, 138 yards after contact out of 162. Just unbelievable. I mean, you, that 61-yard run, he broke four tackles in the, within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage. It was just oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I didn't, uh, man, oh, man. I mean, this is, this, is what this is what they've been missing. Here it is. Ty Montgomery. Never would have thought it. No, you know, I, it, you know, I think we all knew, and I, and I think, and I'm sure the Packers knew, too, that he was like a good runner. But I... I he only had nine carries. It was a season high. I think. I think he's had to have that wait and see approach. You know, could he handle it all? You know, could he could he handle the workload? I mean, he hadn't obviously he hadn't shown it. He hadn't had to show it. Yeah, so I, I guess when you have to win a football game, you, you turn the guy loose. Well, and, and we had talked about. You know, we we always thought he was. You know, I think when he was drafted, and they referred to him as you know being built like a, a bigger Randall Cobb. And I think that's kind of how we saw him. And I know we talked about. You know, you know, comparing him to like a Sterling Sharp type build. You know, I would always right. Yeah, good point. You know, he's he's very he's very stout. I mean, he's not. You know, he's not that tall. I mean, he's well. I mean, he's not that short. You know, what is he? You know, five ten, five eleven. But I mean, he's he's very solidly built. He's wide shouldered. He's got. You know, you can see him when he's running and, and keeping that ball high and tight. I mean, he's he's got some big strong arms. Holding that ball up, he's built like a running back. But being built like a running back and playing like a running back are two different things. And I mean, he has absolutely blossomed in this role. And, and yeah, I said 162 yards after contact. That was his, his total. But it's, I mean, it's those two long runs, and, and they didn't even get any points out of that out of that uh, 61 yard run. But it's it just the things he's doing on that field. I mean, you watch him. And you you just shake your head and you're like, 
he's really a converted receiver. And, you know, I always thought he was one of those guys. And, and Bill, you know, there's, you know, nobody's ever 100% healthy once you're, you know, you know, a month or two months into the year. But he always struck me as, was he one of those guys that maybe he needed to be closer to 100% to play? You know, did he mm-hmm. maybe not have that physicality to survive long-term at running back? And, you know, man, he looks, as, he, he looks tough as nails. That's a good point, and, and, this is, and this has been my question about him. When, when I have, I don't want to say defended McCarthy uh, for, let, for not really using him, but in trying to explain it, they can say he's a running back, and he is a running back, but he's still built like a receiver in a way. I mean, he's trained, he's trained for years to be a receiver, and, and as you know, it, it's, it's, different, it's different training to be a running back. Receivers aren't training to, to run the ball between the tackles 20 times. They're... they're they're trained to be shifty and quick and all that. So that, I mean, that was my question about Montgomery: is is could he really sustain that? And like and like you said, did he have to be a hundred percent guy to play? Or or you know, I mean, he's had a, a bit of an injury history here. I mean, even even in that Seattle game last week on that late, late in the first half, he got dinged up on his shoulder. So that was my question: is could he handle it? I guess he's. I guess I have no more questions left about him. And if, if they're going to make a run the playoffs, I think it's going to be up to time Montgomery to. to uh, Maybe not take him there, but to, to be that driving force to, to help Rodgers out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe maybe there's something to be said. I mean, I don't know if that you could take a running back and put him at receiver and have that kind of success, but and maybe it's what Montgomery, you know, maybe he's ex, it's his experience in the return game that he has that vision and he can see guys getting set up and he sees those holes and he can look ahead. I mean, you know, maybe maybe that is that skill set that is, is translating to him running between the tackles because, again, and I mean, he had that touchdown run to the outside, which was fantastic. Right. But mm-hmm. he's, he's, you know, he's, he's more than just, just competent and capable at running between the tackles. He's excelling at it today. So, I mean, he's, he's got, again, it's, it's, it's the patience and the sidestepping and, and just, just the accelerating. I mean, he... It, again, if if you didn't, you know, if that was your your first Packer game that you ever turned on, you'd wonder why this why the sensational running back was wearing number eighty eight. You would because you just there's there's nothing anymore in his game that suggests that he's out of place coming out of the backfield. So here's something I thought I would never talk to you about you know, when we talked about a month ago. Green Bay controls their fate in the NFC. I mean, the NFC North, I should say. That's this is. This is unbelievable, the turn of events from the last month where we thought these guys were, were dead. And, you know, I mean, there was talk among fans, should they uh, basically throw their last, you know, handful of games for, for draft pick position? I mean, I think at one point they, they had the seventh pick in the draft. <laughs> no, look at them. I didn't see this coming. Maybe you did, but this is it's I, an unbelievable turnaround. I, I did not. I did not. I mean, I, I thought there was a, you know, I thought there was a very good chance that they would you know, going through that, going through that four game stretch, I thought, you know what, this looks like a team. You know, maybe they're seven and nine, maybe they're eight and eight. And I, I think, you know, we even talked one time, and I said, you know, eight and eight is probably all things considered, all the injuries, what this team should be. And and then I laughed at you, know, you and said six and ten. <laughs> yeah, you were like, no, 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 six and ten is what, you know. Um, well, hey, good, good thing, uh, good thing the fans didn't get their way, or uh, you know, Thompson, McCarthy, and Dom Capers wouldn't even be on the team anymore. It's a good point. Um, you really need to be patient in this game, and I, I think I think there's too many fans who have too little patience. We got there are people on Twitter complaining that the game was even close 
which, you know, to some extent it probably should have been close, but by God, enjoy a win, would you? Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, as I, as I told my sons, you know, this, this game took years off my life, but it's, you know, years at the back end when I, when I might not know what I'm talking about anyways. I'll be, uh, you know, hopefully in my 90s still recounting the, uh, you know, some of my Brett Favre highlights. Probably, <laughs> probably thinking I was in the game and not just uh, not just reporting on it. But yeah, this was you know when it's twenty seven to ten, and and even before half, after that first, you're watching that first drive, and you're like, oh man, here here we go. And then again, and then Montgomery has that long run, and they don't get any points off it. And you know, give the Bears credit, they hung in there, and and with the injuries they've had and the suspensions they've had, I mean, their defense still plays tough. They were intent on putting some hits on on Rogers, and they're in, in trying to force him out of the pocket. And, and we saw that certainly he was limited when he tried to leave the pocket. Kudos to him for trying to leave in the first place because he got hit on that high speed jog a couple times. But you know, the Bears the Bears hung in there and they hung in there. And Matt Barkley, you know, and that's the thing: a team with nothing to play for is a dangerous team. I mean, and they didn't pull out any trick plays, but this is kind of when you don't have a shot at the playoffs yourself, all you have is a shot at screwing other people up. And what better team to screw up than your longtime division rival and the, the longest rivalry in NFL history? I mean, when you're the Bears, what else do you have to play for than screwing up the Packers' playoff chances? And they went out and, you know, they played like this was this was their little mini Super Bowl and Barkley got hot and I mean Alshon Jeffrey uh, pretty much got Demarius Randall benched and and somehow they somehow they pull it out with uh you know, Jordy Jordy getting behind uh who was it? Craven uh, LeBlanc. Yes. The, the, Wasn't he a star on Friends? I think he, I think he was. Yeah. I hated that show. I never watched it. That's what I was asking you. Well, he said, "He said, how you doing?" To uh, Jordy when he ran by. <laughs> <laughs> but he was the same guy that got stiff armed by Kristen Michael on his touchdown run too. So not a good day for him. He was a rookie cornerback. I think they were in quarters coverage. He's not fast. Um, but man, oh man, you know, Jordy making up for the early drops, and and I mean, really, even making up for Devontae Adams too. And, and that was part of why that game was close too, though. I mean. Would you have thought with the year Devontae Adams was having that he'd have not one but two drops for touchdowns? And, I mean, two of the easier touchdown catches he, he would have had all year? He's dro- so he drops two touchdowns. Randall Cobb doesn't catch a pass the whole game. And they still win a game. I, I mean, that's the sign of a good team, right? Is when, you got, when you're screwing up some things and you're not quite... When, when you're not quite firing on all cylinders, you still find a way to win a game. And I, th- I thought maybe that's about as good a sign as any when, when you can piece together a winning performance when, when your star guys aren't quite coming through for you. Well, I think so. And, you know, it was a it was a good game with key third-down catches from Jared Cook to keep the chains moving. You had 36-year-old Julius Peppers who, man, oh, man, Bill, do they, do they need to try to re-sign him for another year? Depending on how things shake out, I mean, he's he's had limited snaps compared to last year, but he's making the most out of them. I mean, that strip sack at the start of the second half was fantastic. I mean, he doesn't look like he's thirty six years old when he's running around doing that. And he drew the holding too on that first and goal at the three 
on the Bears last series when they have a chance to take the touchdown and, and, and a lead. It's, it's Julius Peppers, who has never been a great run player and isn't being paid to play run defense, forces a hole in the tight end. So you're right. He's been, I mean, they'd be up a creek without him with the way Matthews is gone. He's, you know, limited and Perry's down and Kyler Fackel's done nothing and Dayton Jones has mostly done nothing. He's, he's kind of been the savior for him. Oh, absolutely. And, and you mentioned Matthews. And I mean, I guess, you know, you gotta, you gotta give Matthews credit for being out there with a, with a shoulder that clearly is bothering him a lot, but he didn't do much more than take up space out there. So you absolutely needed that game out of Peppers. And, you know, he's, there, there've been multiple times this year where he's, again, he's stepped up and he's, He's looked like that that Hall of Fame guy, and he's he's looked like he's five, six, seven years younger at times. They need they needed that. So Julius Peppers isn't old, and Jordy Nelson isn't slow. Two more things we learned today. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a, what a great time for Nelson to get. He hasn't gotten behind anybody all year. Now, I think I think uh, LeBlanc, both both Matt and Ravon. <laughs> Matt, that's a, right. What about a Run, you know, run about a, a four six seven forty. So, if there was a guy Nelson was going to get deep on, that's him. But I mean, you know, the only job that guy had was to not let somebody run by him. So, what what a fantastic play though on third and eleven. I mean, that is certainly not what you saw coming. And and at that point, I mean, it's third and eleven. You're like, oh man, it's you know, like I said, I was, you know, at that point, I I skipped out on the on. Boy Scout Bowling Day with my sons. I, I made my wife take them, so I'm sitting there, and they just they had just come back home. So I'm now with you know with my five year old daughter and my sons and my wife, and we're sitting there, and it's it's nerve wracking. And you and I talked before we started this podcast, Bill. <laughs> it's easier to watch the game in the press box, you know, when you when you're at home, everybody's reacting around you, and everybody's emotional, and you're you're trying to tell people not to freak out, but you're kind of <laughs> You know, you're not, as we said, nobody, uh, you know, in the press box, they always make the announcement under the uh, Pro Football Writers Association, you know, no cheering is allowed, but there's there's cheering in the living room, there's cheering and there's yelling and there's nervousness. <laughs> uh, it was extremely nerve-wracking to watch the end of that game, but man, oh man, it's just so many, so many big plays and, and really big plays by the Bears, too. I mean, Jordan, Jordan Howard is a, he's a tough, tough runner to bring down, and, and again, you know, I, I felt like I spent three quarters watching, you know, wondering what happened to Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, you know he's back from the suspension. You expected a little more, and all of a sudden Barkley starts firing him, and you're like, all right, I, you, you can disappear again at any time. Yeah, he wore him out. Um, Matt Barkley, 30 out of 43, 362 yards. Man, is he the answer there? I mean, certainly not. it's not Jay Cutler. And you probably can't bank on him, but... You th- they might have something going there, don't they? I mean, Howard's a good player, like you pointed out, and, and the quarterback maybe's okay. And I don't know who any of these receivers are, but they're they're all fairly decent. You know, the Bears might actually have. God, I hate to say this, but the Bears maybe won't suck for too long. No, I I think saying he's not Jay Cutler is probably the best compliment you could give him. And you know, I I know some Bears fans that want nothing more than for that team to implode so that they have to get rid of Cutler and make some changes, but. You know, Barkley is a guy that's kind of bounced around and, again, never seemed like anybody's answer and, and nothing more than a stopgap. 
I mean, his shirt looked good, and they protected him well. Mm-hmm. And he, he consistently found the open guy, and he showed chemistry with Jeffrey. And again, Jordan Howard's a tough, tough inside runner. And I mean, the touchdown he had, and I mean, he was he was hard to bring down. So yeah, they uh, they might not suck for too much longer. That was a that was a hard fought game. I want to go back to the Nelson play here for a minute. On, on, so it's third and eleven. There's about fifty seconds left. What do you do, Coach Keith? Are you are you going for the first down there? Or are you saying screw up, let's go to overtime? And you know, but, but if you throw an incompletion, the Bears have you know forty five seconds and a couple timeouts to go in the game. What what are you doing? I mean, I'm a little more conservative. I am too. I guess I guess I'm probably going. You know, I'm probably. I, I have to be real, you know. I looked at I looked at my kids and my wife, and I said, I said, this is fine, you know. They'll, they'll go to overtime. They'll, they'll, if they don't win the coin flip, you know, they'll have to they'll have to you know man up and, and play some defense and maybe get the ball back again. I mean, they had had what three three interceptions to that point. So yeah, I think I I think I was going for OT, but they, clearly they saw something they liked. I'm thinking the same thing, too. Um, to that point, I think they'd missed on either six or seven consecutive third downs. So they weren't converting under the best of circumstances. It's third and 11. The rush has been pretty good. Man, I, I'm throwing a screen on Montgomery or something, something pretty high percentage, and maybe you get a first down out of it. But Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I, I guess, I'm, yeah, I'm looking for a screen or something inside where, if a guy slips a tackle, maybe you get the first. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not calling anything, you know, remotely crazy at that spot. So uh, you know, for for the people who always pile on McCarthy or, or had been a month ago, oh, he's the worst play caller. No one's criticizing him right now, are they? It's it's amazing how it works. I know we've talked about this in previous podcasts where coaches are stupid only when things don't work. Oh yeah, well I'll tell you what. When it was twenty-seven to ten, and they had been. Quentin Dix had made a second interception. I thought, well, how about all those people that are always all over Capers too? And oh, you know, Dom Capers, and he, you know, he can't stop anybody, and you know, he never makes any uh, halftime adjustments. Well, then all of a sudden it's tied up, and I was like, ah, well, okay, so so much for that argument. But you know, <laughs> you know, still, you got to remind yourself they're not having Sam Shields, and I mean, it, it, as I've said many, many times, you know, I'm, I am less a believer in next man up and more a believer in starter start for a reason. So the, the trickle-down effect of Sam Shields being out is, I mean, it's felt every single week. It never goes away. And in a game like this, when Demarius Randall gets benched, I mean, well, well now you're, you're taking out your current number one guy and you're, you're rolling the dice with Rollins and Gunther. So... I don't know. I mean, yeah, Barkley picked them apart, but they still made the plays. And, and Clinton Dix, his two interceptions weren't any type of spectacular play, but they're the plays you expect a smart, savvy safety to make. I mean, the one play he was he was moving over, and he had a beat on where the play was going to be, and he picked the ball off. And, and the other one, he was just he was in the right position, and he had his eyes looking ahead, and he saw it was going to be an overthrow, and. You know, he makes a, a fairly easy catch, but those are big plays. He had a he had three interceptions in his first two seasons. He's got five this year. This is this is what we all expected. I I, I don't think this comes as a surprise to anybody. I mean, you watch him. Well, look, you, you watch him in the playoffs last year where he's really good. 
when you watch the preseason, you, you just we all thought this was coming, and it's it's finally coming. This is the for all the criticism, and probably rightfully so, that Ted Thompson hasn't drafted any difference makers in a while. I think Clinton Dix is, is becoming. You should probably put him into that playmaker in that difference maker category. He's he's been he's been great. I think so too. I mean, I, I truly think you know, and, and safety's a safety's a. I mean, it's t- it's tough in the in the NFC when you've got Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas on the same team. But I feel like Clinton Dix is is that next tier, and he he is on the cusp of a you know Pro Bowl caliber season. I mean, he's got five turnovers. He's tough against the run and. I think he's he's everything you want in a safety. I think he he sets the tone back there, and he's he's in the right spot, and he's making plays. So, so I hate to say this, looking ahead to Christmas Eve, there's no way the Packers lose to the Vikings, right? I mean, the Vikings just got waxed 34 to six at home on Adrian Peterson's return. I mean, there's no way Green Bay loses, right? They, as long as they don't play stupid and, and you know start fumbling the ball over the field, they they shouldn't. And I I don't. I mean, if this game. So, you know, maybe this was the best kind of win they could get because they had a big lead against a team that they probably felt like they should have handled, and rightfully so, and they got a big scare. So they should come back to Lambeau not taking anyone lightly, not taking anything for granted. So I don't, but they should, absolutely they should win. What do you think Adrian Peterson's thinking right now? He comes back from a serious injury. He's back to help his team get to the playoffs, or at least make a run at it. And then they lose thirty-four to six. I mean, don't if you're Peter Peterson, aren't you saying, "Well, screw all you"? <laughs> I mean, I didn't see the game. Maybe help me. I don't. know, Maybe he fumbled six times. I have no idea. I'm just looking at the stats. You know, they got killed. I mean, you figure it doesn't. I mean, they're in a playoff race. They're playing if the Colts aren't any good. Don't you figure that Peterson gives them a lift, and instead they just fall on their face? Yeah, you would. You would have thought it was a. It was a. a Stunning, I think a stunning loss by them. You know, if it was if it was close, you might have you know you might have understood. But yeah, I don't know. You know, and you said something earlier in the podcast, Bill, where you know during the Packers' full game streak, you know nobody nobody saw this coming. But you know that's why coaches are patient. That's why nobody nobody gets crowned after you know five games or six games or eight games. I mean, when Minnesota was five and zero, and everyone said they were a, a Super Bowl darling, a Super Bowl contender. I believed it. I mean, you mm-hmm. and I sat at US Bank Stadium with, you know, I mean, my mouth was hanging open for part of that game, just wondering what was going on. I mean, that defense looked ridiculous. The pass rush and, you know, Harrison Smith and those guys on the back end. And, you know, even when Peterson went out, they were running the ball and Sam Bradford was hooking up with Stephon Diggs. And you thought, yeah, this is a, you know, when they were 5 and out, you're like, all right, I think I believe. Well, they fall apart, and then Green Bay loses four games, and then Green Bay bounces back. And I mean, you just—I mean, I guess that's why we love football, right? That's why you watch. You never know. You never know. You—it's a sixteen-game season, and you don't know anything until the end of the season. You think you know. There's different points during the season where you think you know, but man, oh man! I mean, that's—you know—watching this game today and just thinking about the season, I'm like, this is why I love football because you never know. It's, it's, you know, you don't know what's going to happen within a game. You think you know what's going to happen in a game, and it's not. You think you have a sense of how a season's going, and then you don't. You don't really know until the end, and that's why, you know, it's not always the, the best team that gets to the playoffs. It's always the hottest team, and or, or if it goes the 
deep in the playoffs, and I don't want to, I don't want to say anything silly or ridiculous, but Green Bay is Green Bay sure looks like one of the hottest teams in the NFL, and I, I can't imagine too many teams are anxious to play them. I feel like I should bottle that up for like next year. That like that that one minute you just talked there, because year after well, I mean, I should say year after year, but you know, Green Bay got off to a slow start in in the in the relaxed season, and you, and you. You know, the fans, are, of course, are going crazy. And you say, okay, fine, but look at 2010. They got it to a slow start. They rallied. And then the fans say, well, that was this year. This is totally different. There's no way they're going to do it this year. Then, of course, they do it. And then uh, 2014, where, where they got off to a slow start, you know, it's the same deal. And it's the same thing this year, too. They they're, they look terrible. And you, you point people to, to the history and say, under Mike McCarthy, they've done this. And this year, this year, and this year, don't close the book on them so fast. And, and the fans say, well, those are those years. They're not nearly as good this year. There's no way they're going to turn it around this year. And they turn it around again. You're right. It's, a, it's, it's not a sprint. It's, it's a long journey. And I, I think we need to, like I said, we need to save this segment if they get up to a bad start next year and roll it back out to remind people where, you know, no, no matter what it seems like in October, you know, it's November matters, and then it's December that really matters. And I don't know what I don't know what kind of magic Mike McCarthy has, but he has something where he always has these guys building at the right time. I, I I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's they rely so much on young guys and the young guys grow up, or if they rely on the young guys to keep the older guys fresh for the like they like they've done with Peppers. I don't know what it is, but it's a pretty good track record of getting better and better as the season goes on. Mike McCarthy is a highly successful coach. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, try to, I try to work that into every podcast, but it's, I'll tell you, we need to believe him a little more. We need to, we are, everybody is selling him short, and he's, he drives us nuts when he has confidence in situations that we can't fathom. And he, he sticks with guys longer than people think, and he has confidence when we think he, when we want to see him reaming people out on the sideline. And that's, that's not what he does, but it's working. It's working. What he does is working. We get frustrated with Aaron Rodgers. We, we don't want to believe him, and then we, we see what we've seen over the past four games here. It's, like you said, it's not, it's, it's not a sprint, and you just, you need to be, you need to be patient, and you need to let the season play out. And it's—I don't know. You know, when they were on that four-game losing streak, you know, and, and you know, when he first said he was going to run the table, and I, I, you know, had a few people say, "Oh, maybe it'll be like 2010," and I, I shot that down immediately. And I'm like, you know what? It's—it's it's, every season is different, and this combination of injuries with, you know, with Lacey being out and Starks was hurt and Shields has been out. I'm like, every every season's different, and there's no reason you should think that. But I don't know. After watching them win four, and if they beat Minnesota, and if they win at Detroit, and if they win the division, I mean, is this a team that can go deep in the playoffs built like this? I mean, why not? Why not? I'm I've got the uh, I've got the Dallas Tampa Bay game on right now, Bill, and it's uh, you know with under four minutes to go in the fourth, Dallas is up twenty three to twenty, but nobody nobody looks like a world beater. I mean, the Giants have won a bunch of games. You know, Dallas has got a great record, but they're struggling a little. Tampa Bay is playing great defense. You know, Seattle still looks, most weeks, not last week, still 
still looks like one of the best teams in the NFL, and Green Bay punched them in the mouth, and then you look at what the Packers are doing. I mean, it, it feels wide open. It feels like whoever is hot going into the playoffs, who knows what's going to happen. I don't think anybody has a, you know, guaranteed, you know, red carpet path to the, to the Super Bowl. So why not, why not Green Bay? You're right about that. Um, we'll have to say this for a, a playoff week podcast or something, but it's easy to look at the Packers and say, yeah, the, you know what, the defense isn't that good. You know, the corners, you know, they're, they're weak at corner. It's, it's easy to see why they're not going to get there, but then every team's got problems. I mean, Dallas's pass defense stinks. Right. Seattle's offensive line stinks. You know, the, the Packers beat the hell out of the Giants here, right? I mean, what? Um, it's easy. To, I mean, every team just has these gigantic warts on it. So it might be one of those deals where whoever's got the better matchup, you know, is going to get to the Super Bowl. But if you put the teams in a hat and get a different order, you get a different result. I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be very intriguing, though, Keith. That's for sure. Yeah, every everybody's flawed. Everybody's flawed, and you don't. But you don't. But you also don't know if those flaws are going to show up from one week to the next. I mean, yeah, the, the you know the Packers have problems at corner, but. Look at how they played against Seattle. That's right. Demarius Randall goes from two interceptions to a seat on the bench. Yeah, and Quentin Rollins had that pick in the end zone, and just you know. But if they if they can keep getting you know key plays, I mean, they gave up a bunch of yards. You know, Clay Matthews wasn't doing much. You know, Jake Ryan wasn't doing too much. But Clinton Dix had a nice game. Micah Hyde, who. We've said numerous times is being forced. We we like him. He's super versatile. We think he's a great guy. I mean, he's certainly a great interview. But he's probably he's he's playing more plays than he would if everyone was healthy. But then he comes through with a play like he has today at the end of the game, where he's diving and knocking that ball away. So I mean, you guys are stepping up when they need to step up. They're doing just enough, and that's. This is the kind of year where you you just have to do enough. You really you just have to win the week and get to the next week. And that's what I mean. That's what Green Bay's done for the past month. All right, Keith. I'll see you Christmas Eve. I will bring the eggnog and the brandy. Oh no, I can't do any of those things. <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you Christmas Eve night. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us as always. I think we can bring the brandy, Bill. You know, it's Christmas. I mean, what is Sarah Quick and Jason Wallace and the PR staff going to do to us? It's Christmas. They can't pull our they can't pull our credentials over that. It's Christmas. I think we'll be fine, especially if we offer them some. <laughs> Maybe that's all we need to do. Hey, if anyone from Lambeau Fields uh, listening to this, um, a Christmas present of tiramisu on the Saturday um, lunchtime, I, I I wouldn't be opposed. God God bless us, everyone. If there's if there's a, a repeat of tiramisu. That's right. All right, Keith. Talk to you on Saturday. Or I was going to say Saturday. Night. Talk to you on, on Saturday. Thanks a lot. Sounds good. We'll see you then. All righty. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.